Welcome everyone. Welcome to the CMO Stories podcast episode 25. My name is Yuri Bilast and I'm your podcast host. The CMO Stories podcast is meant for marketing leaders and tech entrepreneurs from all over the world. And today we have a guest from the US. Hello, William. How are you? Great, Yuri. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me on today. Really excited. I am really excited to hear about your story. But first, let me give an introduction for the listeners. So guys, William's complete name is William Glass. And he has a company called Ostrich. If I don't pronounce it correctly, he will certainly correct me. And actually, yeah, he's the CEO and co-founder of that company. And he also has a podcast himself, which is called the Silicon Alley Podcast. William's mission is to improve global financial well-being with his app, Ostrich Mobile App Addresses Financial Literacy, deficits by creating, by creating game-like social community and accountability around money. And the key is tackling the emotional side of money and creating strong money habits. Yeah, lots of things are happening now, you know, around money with the markets moving around. But let's start from the beginning, William, and start where you want. What is your business about and how did it all start? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on, Yuri, and really excited to be here. Ostrich came out of my own sort of challenges, to be honest. So I'm the only grandchild on both sides of the family. And so, you know, okay. as a kid adults would tease me and be like, oh, you must be so spoiled. You must be so spoiled. But what I actually felt was this deep responsibility to take care of everyone as they got older at the same time that I would be starting my own family. And unfortunately, my you know family hasn't made some of the best decisions when it comes to money and finances. I've had mul multiple people that have had to file bankruptcy. Parents' relationship fell apart due to financial stress. And I've just seen how money can really control your happiness when you just don't have a really good handle on it. And it impacts the things that we want and care about in life. So that's kind of where this concept comes from. And so we've built this financial fitness app. That's for young, young folks that are just starting out in their lives who need to build that strong financial foundation so that they can ultimately live the lives that they envision for themselves and be better off than their parents and grandparents. So yeah, that's Ostrich at a high level and I'm happy to, to dive in deeper. Okay, great. I already, you know, I downloaded your app and I was having a look, but it's not only about, I guess, your, your first business or your first, the first time that you buy a house or something else, but also later when you stop working about your pension and your financial yeah or, or you call it being financial independent after some time so i think it can be useful for everyone you know because it's it really makes you accountable i will dive deeper into your app after the podcast recording is <laughs> finished but perhaps uh, tell us a bit more about are, are you working alone are you working with some other people on the app how did you build it because i've understood that you are not technical Yes. Yeah, so yeah, neither my co-founder or I are, are technical. So my background um, is in uh, B2B sales, software sales. So I specifically worked with startups that were focused on all different areas of technology and then got recruited to go work and open up a new sales vertical for an AI market research company called Remesh in New York City. So that's my background. And then my co-founder is originally from the UK, but we played we played soccer or football for the proper name of the sport and uh, in college and then stayed really close. But he went the finance route. So ended up in private equity and investment banking. 
And so we were trying to figure out, we're talking to users, talking to customers, doing focus groups, and really honed in on this concept of using social challenges, small groups of people that have something in common, common goals, whether it's their employer or something that, that they already have something that brings them together. And together, they were able to make really good financial decisions. And so we wanted to build this out and originally used Facebook groups to test the concept. So we had you know 40 people in the Facebook group. Every day would post a poll of, did you spend or did you not spend? So I guess I should take a step back. It was called Frugal Fall was the challenge mm-hmm. that we originally tested. And it was a spending challenge. So everyone picked one area of spending that they were either unhappy with, they spent too much on, um, or just wanted to cut back, cut out or cut back. And so everyone had different things, but they would just come into the the group and I would post a poll daily that was, did you spend or did you not spend in your, your no spending category? And that small little daily poll was so impactful and so powerful. The conversations that came out of that, the other financial decisions that people made that were good for them about increasing their investments and their um, employer-sponsored plans, people that canceled other subscriptions and services that they were no longer using because they were just more aware of their spending habits. And so we wanted to build that out and used a um, a no-code tools. So just before the pandemic, I had interviewed and talked to 30 different dev shops all across the world. Every model you can think of, the fully outsourced, the onshore, the hybrid, the hire somebody and they work for you, like all the all the different models that are out there. And then uh, March of 2020 hit and we took a step back and decided not to write a really large check to investment firm or a development partner and figured out that there were these different tools that we could use to build something ourselves and test out the idea. And so that's what we did. The very first version of the app was built using something called AppGyver. Mm-hmm. which is a free tool. It allows you to build mobile apps. I think you can also build, you can build web apps on it as well, but it's, it allows you to, it uses React Native on the back end for those that are a little more technical. So it allows you to build for both iOS and Android on one go. And the key thing was that it was free and that I could connect the logic visually because I didn't understand enough of some of the other tools that were out there. But I could say, when you tap to this button, I want this data saved. I want to show this to the user And like, I could control all of that without having to code. And so, yeah, so that's what we used to build the very first version. Whoa. And so you started with Facebook and then you went to the mobile app. And what was really the reason to go to the app? Why didn't you, why haven't you continued using Facebook groups? Uh, What was the advantage of having an app? Yeah. So we first went from the Facebook group to, I left this part out, but we tried using a WordPress site and hacking together all the different plugins to create the experience. Um, But there were some things that we just couldn't quite accomplish in a Facebook group that we wanted. One, not everyone used Facebook. So a lot of the people that we had gotten, like that joined about half of them were just not regular Facebook users. And it's not a platform that they spend time on. They just joined it for the challenge, but they were never coming back. And so we realized we needed a dedicated space. And there were also just so many other, there's so much noise Mm -hmm. um, and we couldn't control like some of the gamification elements. Like I was manually posting a leaderboard and points. And what we realized though, was there was a lot of value in the regular notifications and it had to be mobile and super easy to use. And we learned that with the failed web version where we tried to migrate everyone over to the web and a few people that were really motivated came, but it wasn't directly on their device. We didn't have a way to notify people besides an email. And I was still posting in the Facebook group to try to then get people to go. It's a terrible, terrible user experience. But we learned like the social aspect that was really powerful from the Facebook group 
And then what we needed that really brought people in when we tried the web version. And that ultimately allowed us to say, okay, we need to be mobile, mobile first. We need to be able to do push notifications because that's ultimately what's going to drive a lot of people back into the app initially is that notification Mm -hmm. and be able to create a really great experience that incorporates additional content and information that we couldn't put into a uh, Facebook group. So like tips and tricks and things like that, that are evergreen. I also saw that uh, you can get notifications in different ways by the app itself, but, but also by emails. So for some people, that can also be interesting. So yeah, and it also looks really, it, it doesn't look too complex at first sight. So that's also important that people like it and they continue to use it. Another question perhaps is, because there is also the marketing part, how do people know about your existence do you special campaigns or showing up on podcasts or what is uh, what is the way that you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So the way that we're um, gathering users is going B to B to C. So really going to groups and companies to bring people on. So we targeted colleges in particular. Mm-hmm. So use so my co-founder and I went to Rollins College. So we ran a pilot with with Rollins and we brought a bunch of students in there and recruited some different folks on campus that were going around and. We were talking to classes and doing this really guerrilla marketing approach because what we realized as we've gone throughout is that having that like something in common and that core network is so powerful early on Um, because a lot of people already talk to their friends, maybe not about their full financial picture, Mm -hmm. ask some of the big questions, but people talk about what they're spending money on if they don't have like there's certain things that we are comfortable talking about when it comes to money. So if we can bring people in through that, which is spending because everyone spends money we can bring people in through that and have that common core. So that's what we've been doing. And we're running now just launched some, a TikTok and Instagram reels campaign that is just asking people about dumb financial decisions they've made, what they regret spending on, just like getting some really funny, interesting content from different people. And that's been, that's been something that we started recently and has been going, going very well. Yeah, I, I can imagine also what I said in the beginning, also with, with the financial markets and with the uncertainties that people have, there is inflation, lots of things are going on, you know, people that have invested in crypto also see that they are losing people that have invested in stocks, they are losing people. So I guess that people are, have questions and ha, are a bit, uh, so what do you see in what are questions or insecurities that the people struggle with at the moment? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. There's so much uh, so much going on right now with inflation and the markets and mm-hmm. whether it's stock or crypto or just name pretty much anything that isn't oil. <laughs> right. And, uh, that also and it's struggling, right? So yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, is around like basic expenses now, like groceries and gas and like people were starting to hear questions of like things that people wouldn't normally ever consider of like, should I go drive here over the weekend for this event for playing a sport golf or whatever it is that people like to do? Because I don't know that it's worth the gas money to be able to go there and back. So like, it's just really interesting and be able to being able to afford like, you know, basic, basic expenses is now becoming a, a real question for a lot of people. It is. And, uh, you know, myself, I have, I'm looking also in Belgium, the gas prices are high, but I now have an electric car. <laughs> so, but also the prices of electricity, but I have like, I have uh, solar energy. So that's look, I'm lucky, but that doesn't mean, okay, all the other expenses, you know, are, are going up. If you go to the store and so on, why do you, if, okay, people are struggling, but people are also, as you said, 
making sometimes mistakes. What would be like the biggest money mistake that uh, people can make, in your opinion, in general? I would say. Well, I mean, there's yeah, there's a there's a lot a lot of different <laughs> money money mistakes that people can make. I think the biggest one, at least early on, is that when it comes to building wealth, which is important even if you're not somebody that wants to live a really rich, extravagant life, but you just want to be able to do the things that you love and spend time with the people that you care about. Like you need to have a good, strong financial foundation and time is the biggest asset that you have. Mm -hmm. So I'd say the biggest thing is, is, is just not, not paying attention early enough when you can have the power of compounding interest that will give, you know, have years and decades and multiple decades to really have an impact. And when you show, especially because we're working with younger populations, you know, teenagers, mm-hmm. 20, 20 year olds in the 20s, when you show how a small amount invested early on now compounds, you know, you do that for five or six years, and then you wait 10 years and you do that same amount and you continue to add, mm-hmm. you end up better off when you show the compounding. And then if you start 10 years earlier, and there's nothing, there's nothing that is, is like, painful enough really to, if you're not already aware of this, that will encourage, especially young folks to start thinking about this. So that's really the biggest money mistake. And it's something that people don't even realize that they're making, which is obviously a challenge. To yeah, of course. And then there is also the concept. And I think that your app helps with that of social account accountability, social financial accountability, I would say, how, how do you see that? Yeah, no, I mean, it, like we are social creatures. We, you know, like there's something about that positive impact and accountability. So if you're familiar with some of the apps like Strava, which is a, a you know, a fitness right. really for cyclists and like triathletes um, has done a really great job of, of using social community to get people to continue to work out and, you know, achieve goals. And there's, you know, Peloton you're probably familiar with, right? You've got the group challenges and leaderboards in there. And so like, there's this concept that has already exists in the fitness industry that that's proven to work. When you have an accountability partner, you have a gym buddy, you're more likely to show up because everyone loses motivation at some point. Things go on, like we're never a hundred percent fully motivated, but when you've got that accountability layer of someone that's relying on you, or you believe that they're relying on you, you've got that support system. You're more likely to stick to goals. Research, there's research out there that shows that when you combine a regular weekly check-in with an accountability partner, you increase your likelihood of achieving goal by 95%. So I think it's by a study by the American Psychology Association that, that did that study. And so like you can almost double, like 100% <laughs> increase your chance of achieving a goal by a regular weekly check-in and accountability. So why are we not doing this when it comes to finance? Yeah, right. That's, you know, in every sector, in every business and everything that you want to achieve, if you work with most of the coaches, they just, you know, are there for accountability because they, they make you do things and, you know, you need to show up. For instance, myself, when I've written my book, I had a coach, so I needed to make progress because I had to talk to my coach about my progress. <laughs> so there was someone, you know, it's accountability <laughs> only about money. And perhaps that's different in different parts of the world, but people don't often talk or like to talk about money and definitely you know when it's comparing or they're struggling it's not always easy about it and maybe there are some cultural differences but i i also understand that it's a bit the same in the in the us people don't like to talk about it but the app is because you have this gamification aspect of it and perhaps the community and the fact that 
people are there the same age categories that they can share that makes it happen? Or what would be, what does your app do that make it easier for people to talk about that? Can you say something about that? Yeah, great question. You're, yeah, you spot on, right? Same thing in the US. Like people don't like to talk about money and it's just, it's, there's so much emotion attached to it. Some people, it's shame because they're not in the position that they want to be or just lack of understanding and they don't want to sound silly or feel like they should know something that they, that they don't. So what we use is we use that gamification layer. So people don't see your financial goals. They don't see how much money you have. They don't see those types of that, that type of information. And that's, it's all about percentage to goal. So that's where the gamification comes in. Okay. Um, right. And as you make progress and earn things, then you can show off like, you know, I'm, I'm really good at saving and you can see that, but I'm not seeing that, you know, you know, Yuri, we could, we could be each be in the same challenge and we're trying to save money. I could be trying to save a hundred dollars and you could be saving a thousand. It's not about the number. It's about, are you actually tracking and making okay. progress? And so that's, what's important. So I'll see, we'll see percentage to goals versus the actual dollar amount. So that's one way that we make it easier. And then also the challenges specifically, right? So if you're focused on debt, you're going to be in debt challenges with other people that are also in debt versus talking about investing with some, like you're not, those, we're not mixing those things together. Ah, okay. Yeah. So that, that, that I saw it in the, in the app uh, that you need to select. And then of course you have an accountability. Uh, do you, do you really have accountability partners in the app or is it just like different people in the same group? How does it work? Yeah. So it's, The way that it works right now is you get matched up with other people. So you can invite friends, you can invite coworkers okay. into the app. And based on who you're connected with that are also in similar challenges, they become your default accountability partner. So we're going to surface their information. So for example, we're in a challenge together. You've checked in already. I haven't. I'm going to get a notification that says you've already checked in for the challenge today. So that, so that, because we know each other, that's more, that's much more Okay. Motivating than seeing ostrich notifying you, but we, we lean into the connections that are already there. Okay. So the idea is that of course that you connect people around you and that you, you do the challenge with them. Okay. You also, you were also talking about TikTok. Find this interesting. Of course, it's your age group that you are targeting, but TikTok is also really exploding in reach, but we see TikTok as an, yeah, as an app, there is a lot of music, a lot of dancing. <laughs> I need to check out your account, but what is the, the type of content that you are posting on TikTok to, to reach your audience? Can you tell a bit about that? Yeah. So we, we've tried a number of different things. Um, we ran the biggest money mistake campaign. So the question that you asked about what, you know, what are people in general, yeah. we asked you know, individuals, what is your biggest money mistake? And those do really well. You know, people are always interested to hear like, oh, wow, I've made that decision or, oh, wow, I can't believe, you know, so-and-so. It's always really helpful. And I think for us, It's an interesting way to bring people into the conversation about money. So that's that's really good. And then we've gone around so some of the college campuses and started getting asking that question among a number of others to college students that are that are like funny, like what's you know, what do you spend too much on each week? What do you, you know, what do you regret spending on? What's a purchase you've never told anyone about that you're embarrassed about? And so like we get these really just kind of fun, interesting questions on their own and focus on that. So That's what we're doing on TikTok. We we just started, so I should be very clear. It's not like we've got a crazy following yeah. or anything like that. No. But the biggest money mistakes we ran on Instagram worked really well, so we're porting that over. And then we've already gotten a really great response, though, from the first few videos that we've put out of just interviewing different people and asking them those questions and getting candid responses from a number of different college students. And so that's been really helpful. 
Okay, yeah, great. Because of TikTok, you know, the idea is if only if you have a few followers, you can reach a big audience. It depends on how people are engaging with your post and so on. So if you have like get get people to comment on your post, that's really a thing. And then, of course, then then you can grow from there. Can you say again, when did you start uh, with this app and did you uh, develop the company, the app? When did it all start? Which which year was that? Yeah, so March of 2020 was when we really started building. Just, so when COVID hit at that moment, yeah. Yeah, we've been playing around with the idea, had some conversations, run some tests, but we didn't really get started building until March of 2020. And then, so my question now is, okay, you know, now we have two years later, what is what will the next year or years bring for you? Do you have like a vision where you want to go um, with that? And now you see perhaps also the, the markets uh, evolve? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a number of pilot partners. I mentioned we're going B2B to C. So we've got college, Rollins College. We've got a, a school district in Texas that we're working with, a large nonprofit that's one of the largest nonprofits in, in the US that has 38 million members, I'm talking to a health insurance company. So we're really looking at going and scaling, right? So a big thing for us is getting some of these early customers that we've done. We're improving the experience still. But over the next two years, I anticipate us being you know, over 100,000 monthly active users is our aim and having probably about 10 paying B2B clients. So that's really the focus for us. We're in the process. We're, we're going to be opening up a round of capital soon, uh, raising a round of capital soon. So all of these things are, are in tandem. And, you know, we've joined a number of different accelerator programs and have some partnerships that were in the works that uh, I'm really excited about. But ultimately, it's just to be able to impact as many people as we can over the next two years. Because one of the things for us is that we always want to keep the product free to the end user. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's really important because the people that need what we're building the most are the least able to pay, but we still need to be able to run a profitable business. So that's why going selling subscriptions to businesses, colleges, companies is the focus. And then as we grow scale, we'll be able to open up and keep the app free through other revenue streams. But that's ultimately our aim is to make sure that it's always accessible. Well, that's it's a great plan, and also I had no issue to downloading it. Sometimes when you are in another country, it's difficult to download because. Uh, but your app, it was directly installed. Great. Perhaps to end with people that are listening to your story and they want to connect with you, or of course if they want to download the app, we can already say it's on the Google Store, it's on Apple Store, it's called Ostrich. They can find it. I will put it in the show notes. But if people want to connect directly with you. What is the best social media channel or the best place to connect with you? Yeah, so either Twitter or LinkedIn. So my Twitter is just William P. Glass 3, and that's also my LinkedIn. But if you're on LinkedIn, you can just type in William Glass and Ostrich, and I'll pop right up. And then if you have a direct question that you want to ask, you can email me, William at getostrich.com. So G-E-T-O-S-T-R-I-C-H.com. Okay, awesome. Well, thanks for your time and to, for explaining all of that, William. It has been really interesting. Yeah, thank you, Yuri. I really appreciate you sitting down and enjoyed the conversation. So, guys, uh, if you want to hear more from people like William, subscribe to our podcast. Or what you also can do is join our CMO 100 Club, where we have also marketing leaders and tech entrepreneurs from all over the world. We are still starting up and growing. We will have conversations around things like digital marketing, but also about yeah Web3, because as we know, the world is evolving. And what is particularly interesting for me is how this crypto, how Web3, how Metaverse, how 
all of this will impact our businesses. So I would say subscribe to my podcast or become a member of, of the club. It's free at the moment. And I would like to see you, of course, in the next podcast episode. Bye.